ENT Talk College Sports. Welcome, everybody. This is BNT Talk College Sports. I'm your host, T. I'm here with B, who's out east. Where are you at? Where are you at, Ben? You're in the Outer Banks? Yeah, we're at the Outer Banks right now, just at the beach house, living our best lives right now. So where where in the Outer Banks? Um, it's like I think we're Kill Devil Hills. Either Kill Devil's Hills or Kitty Hawk. Yeah, I forget. But that's, in that that's area, where my family Hawk, Kill, Yeah, Kill Devil Hills, Nags Head. That's sort of that area of the Outer Banks. So yeah, that's where that's yeah. where our family usually goes when when we go kill devil yeah. hills kitty hawk area but anyway but b and t is joined by s today so let's give a round of applause for our buddy scout Callens. slow claps what up, fellas good to be here thanks for yeah, having me yeah i know we're happy to have you i just realized the slow clapping doesn't really hit the same over zoom here so no it really doesn't so when we have scout one of these days come down to our new studio um well, well we'll give him an official slow clap but yourself a little intro For scout sure. he's a he's a fellow byu fan like us um and uh yeah tell us a little bit about yourself big fella yeah i graduated in 2022 so uh just ahead of tyler which leaves ben as the only only person here is not a byu alum full-fledged Um, i've been been a huge byu fan for years my my parents went there grew up watching byu football through the good and the bad um love college football in general so kind of excited to talk about you know my my favorite thing and my favorite team within my favorite thing yeah in fact scout and his brother truman got to go last year to probably the game of the year uh lsu versus alabama in baton rouge so i know scout here roots for the Tigers. Go uh, Tigers, baby. Yeah, SEC football hits different, fellas, as you guys know. Yeah, we – uh, we, I wouldn't say, like, accustomed because we're not from, like, the Deep South and we're not from SEC country, um, but we but we definitely know and, and appreciate it. You got to go down and live it last year a lot oh, more yeah. recently than Ben or I have, but um, – and you're also from the Seattle area, so I love that. You know, college football, apart from New University of Washington, isn't really, and maybe Washington State. You know, West Coast—they've been kind of slacking these past few years. So I'm glad to see that someone from the West Coast, like the true West Coast, is uh, representing college football fandom. Yep, well. yep. UW, and obviously headed over to the Big Ten. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, good football school. Fun, fun place to be from, but uh, I mean BYU is where my heart really is at. All right, that's that's where we like we we bleed blue here, and Ben also bleeds a little orange, so yeah, a different kind of blue. So, well, anyway, this is our BYU 2023 football preview special where we're gonna go through some players, position groups, maybe even um, some coaches. There's obviously been quite a change on the defensive aspect. Some Fun new transfers, including QB1, which is Keaton Slovis from Pittsburgh and USC. Um, so I'm excited to dive into that. We'll briefly go through the schedule because uh, I feel like we have at some point already when they when they first released it. But we'll kind of go through it briefly and give some final predictions on what we think BYU is going to do this year. So um, we'll start. Ben, why don't you start us off? Why is there, are you wanting to do offensive side, 
defensive side, yeah, special I, teams. <laughs> I think we'd be I we are not starting special teams. There's <laughs> let no me tell shot. you about um, let me tell you about this kicker guy. Uh, uh transfer from Boise Will, State. Something Saren. Yeah. Well, we're really you, there yet. So. <laughs> um, I say we, we start with offense and I say we start with quarterback. How does that sound? I feel like it we would be it'd be wrong to not. So and and to be fair, it is very interesting from second string down because yeah, we really don't know. Uh Redsclaff, Jake Redsclaff is the I think Redslaff. Um Redslaff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Redslaff, Redslaff. Sorry, there's no C in there. Redslaff is the assumed backup. But there's Phillips yeah. in there. There's Finnegan, uh, Ryder Burton. There's, there's Ryder very Burton. Interesting. But yeah, let's let's talk a little quarterback. Let's start off with Keaton Slovis. What what are your thoughts on him, Ben? Are you high on? Are, are you high on him? Are you expecting I, like maybe something a little low? I'm actually like I'm I'm feeling pretty confident about Keaton Slovis. Weirdly enough. I, he was one where, like, when he transferred to BYU, I liked it, but I didn't necessarily go, like, oh, like, this is a home run. I was just like, okay, solid. Like, solid bridge quarterback entering the Big 12. Um, but just sort of, like, I am going based off of how the players are talking about him, how the coaches are talking about him, how we, you know, we know some reporters or media that have been at practices, and all of the – the reviews so far have been pretty positive, I would say, especially when, um, you know, you have Aaron Roderick speaking to the media, discussing how offense as a whole, he feels like they're more talented than they were last year, which I was like, whoa, okay. That, that I, it, they seem very confident in this offense. I think Keaton Slovis, I think you're going to get more of the USC early USC version of him because I think he is in a scheme and in a situation that will allow him to thrive, unlike Pitt, because he went to Pitt uh, with under the assumption that he was going to be with the OC Mark Whipple, who was there when Kenny Pickett was there. But then once he transferred to Pitt, Whipple ended up leaving Pitt and taking the job at Nebraska, um, or the OC job at Nebraska, whereas then Jordan Addison left for USC so it's like he just sort of like got himself into something he didn't sign up for. I'm confident. Also, not just because of him, but I just think we'll get to it. But the pieces around him, I think, are also going to help him be successful as well. I am higher. I think national media is lower on BYU. And I think a large part of it is because I think mainly people outside of BYU are not thrilled about Keaton Slovis, which I get. But I think he's going to surprise people and be good this year. Yeah, I really think um, he's happier here at BYU, and he's expressed that he's um, really bought into the system and the culture, as cliche and cheesy as that is. He, he truly is a really good fit and um, really is seems like he's striving uh, – not only like on the field, but just like off the field, he just seems to be in a better situation than like you were saying, he was at Pitt when he was kind of dealt a bad hand. So uh yeah, Scott, how how are you feeling about Slovis here? Uh unlike Ben, I, I was not 
I was not as excited to hear that he was transferring to BYU. And I think part of that just stems from the fact that I was at that 2019 game at Lavelle Edwards when Keaton played at USC and ended up just throwing like, I think three interceptions against us and just, it, it just didn't look good. And that was kind of my lasting memory of Keaton Slovis. And he transfers to Pitt, then he transfers here. He just kind of felt like the college football journeyman. But I agree he was dealt a bad hand at Pitt. I will say that the redeeming quality that I see in Keaton Slovis is that I think he is the type of quarterback that Aaron Roderick really likes. Um, he's he's just mobile enough to be somewhat of a threat on the ground uh, in situations where you need him to be. He's also really smart. Like he's proven himself as a good decision maker. He's thrown for like almost 10,000 yards in his career. Um, and I think that like his style of play as more of a sort of pro style quarterback uh, with a huge upside in passing the ball is going to favor him with somebody like Aaron Roderick rather than being at Pitt, which was definitely a run heavy offense. And I think he expressed a little bit of, dis- of displeasure at that and said, you know, BYU is an opportunity for him to kind of showcase his talents more. So I think that pairing is going to be good, but I wasn't as high on it early on just for some of those reasons of, of having watched him back at USC with the high expectations that just never panned out. And say what you want about Slovis, but the Duke can launch the ball. He can sling it. You got so a cannon. He definitely has arm strength. Uh, and like you like you just said, Scout, his decision-making has definitely improved since when he was a freshman. And even, yeah, that BYU game was probably one of his not so – like one of his more like low-light games, I guess I would say. Um, but they had already gone through. I mean, I think he was the third string at that point. I uh, think that was his first career start. Yeah, he, been, yeah. he was definitely thrown in the fire and, like, one of the interceptions that ended up sealing the game for BYU. The tip. Um, yeah, it was like a tip. But, you know, so it's like I definitely um, I definitely am giving Keaton Slows every benefit of the doubt, but I'm very high on him. I think um, – I, like Ben was saying before, he's going to surprise a lot of people. So, so, so let me ask you this as, as, as two guys who know kind of the ins and outs of both BYU football and the sport with everything around him, with like the running back room stacked receivers coming back and Aaron Roderick, what is the biggest upside to Keaton Slovis? I'll let you go, Ben. Like sort of like upside. What does that look like? Is that, yeah, sort of- I, I'm not, I'm not doubting him. I just want to know from your perspective, like what is the most exciting uh, thing about having Keaton Slovis take the field this year as our starter? Okay. Gotcha. I think the most exciting thing is that it's as we talked about the arm talent, I believe. I just think that he could make some crazy throws. Like I think he could throw, like I can just imagine like a 40 yard bomb down the sideline to Keanu Hill for like a 75 yard touchdown. Like, I think people don't think of Keaton Slovis as this, like, like, I think he sort of has the, um, sort of the reputation for being a guy that's just sort of like check down Sally, like just sort of makes the right play sometimes, then sometimes doesn't, but the talent isn't like super there. Like, I think he's someone who, like, I think he mostly is just sort of, like, a guy who just will make correct decisions, who will, you know, not do anything too crazy, too risky. Uh, But I also think that there's big play potential there. So I could see some Lavelle Edwards Stadium uh, Big 12 games that are packed at night where he has, like, just a bomb or two. 
I could totally see that. So I think that's that's fun. And when we're talking about like the upside of like what he can be, I think he could be like a day three like draft pick, like Jaron Hall range if things go perfectly and then be an above average big 12 quarterback when it's all said and said yeah. and done. But I, th- I think that's the upside and some of the excitement that you can get from him. Totally. I agree with Ben on a lot of it as far as his physical assets that he brings, arm talent, um, like like we've already said, decision making. Uh, he's mobile, but he's not. But that's not not his game per se. That's not his identity. But he is mobile. I think the biggest thing, as far as upside, yeah, I would go. Um, top three quarterback, top three or four quarterback in the Big 12. Um, throws for 3,500 yards plus. Um, at least gets one touchdown, one passing touchdown a game. Uh, I really hope BYU lets him sling it too. The thing I'm most excited about, though, is just his experience. Fifth-year guy, he's played in Power 5 conferences, um, USC. And, and the Pac-12. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, Power 5 played, conferences and the Big 12. Yeah. Or, or, and the Pac-12. Anyway. Yeah, he, you know, he got to play in a really good Power 5 conference and the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But he, I mean, he, that USC team was the team that kind of spoiled Utah's party um, at 2019 season uh, when, uh, when they lost, when USC beat Utah. And obviously Utah ended up losing the Pac-12 championships at Oregon. But, um, I mean, he just has a lot of experience and he's played with really good, talented guys. I mean, heck, that, that receiving core he had, Pittman, London, those guys at USC, I mean, incredible. And so I think now he's coming to a team that hasn't had a ton of power five experience. And now that's, that's all we're going to have really. Um, So he has the experience. He has the composure. He has the leadership to guide a lot of young, younger guys or newer guys to, not to power five play, but now a power five culture. So I'm excited to see him help with that culture change. And maybe we will be smarter. Um, maybe when it comes to penalties, when it comes to crazy wild plays, like we won't try too hard. We'll just make the smart play, right play, because that's long-term best for that game, whatever it might be. Um, but, and he's going to take the lead on that. So Arm talent, yeah, is there, but his experience is something that that I'm looking forward to be what you're having for sure. So yeah. we'll we'll transition here a little bit to the backups. Um it's it seems like Reslaff is, is guy number two, but BYU has probably BYU I think has so. a really talented quarterback room. Yeah. Well. Scout saying the running back room is crazy. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers probably not as stacked. It's still and, good though. I think it's the good. deepest wide receiver room we've had in a long time. Deep. Yeah, there's a lot of and even same with running backs. There's just a lot of guys that we could throw in there. But yeah, uh, top quarterbacks 
I, I think it'd be fun to see Reslaff um, in a couple games, maybe even Burton. Uh, BYU also just got that three-star out of Texas recruit. I believe he flipped from UTSA. UTSA. Noah Lugo. Yeah. So yeah. BYU is establishing kind of not, – I'm not going to say QBU, but BYU's always had the tradition of good quarterbacks dating since the 70s. And so I like that quarterbacks are still wanting to come and play um, at BYU. But do you see any drama or any changes happening as far as backup potential second or third string guys? Or maybe will we see some guys that we're not expecting to, Ben? Um, I hope not. Because if you do, something probably went very wrong. So hopefully we see Keaton Slovis like – almost all the time, and then the second string a little bit, and that's it. Um, but, yeah, I, I anticipate that's going to be Rhett's laugh. I, I get the sense that, you know, we were talking about Keaton Slovis. I think he's definitely, like, a high floor guy. I think Rhett's laugh is, like, high ceiling guy but low floor guy. Like, I think I get the sense. I'm not an expert on his game, but, like, he seems like a guy who, if thrown into the fire before he's ready, could be a disaster but like could also make really good plays. Um, I think the thing that stands out about him is he's a guy like he seems a little more, he's not like a dual threat quarterback, but he's very mobile. And he also does that thing that you see Patrick Mahomes doing that you see like Aaron Rodgers doing Matt Stafford doing where like they change like arm slots on different throws. Um, he's fun. So like, I think like, he's like some- sidearm. Yeah, yeah, he'll throw sidearm on some throws. Like, I think that he's someone that I don't know how. I think he's a fine backup this year. I think he could eventually be. I think the plan is for him to be our guy, hopefully next year. Um, We'll see about that. Um, I sort of suspect we'll be in the portal again, but maybe he's really good. Roderick knows what he's doing, but yeah. And then Fennigan, like, he's just sort of a career journeyman backup type, and. Um, Ryder Burton is someone I think they're very high on for the future. Um, so like, I think he'll be our starting quarterback at some point, but not in the near term. And Bill Ups is someone again, like preferred walk on, or he was at least a walk on. He might be on scholarship now. Um, decent depth guy, but hopefully we don't ever see him unless we're winning by a million points. So yeah, that's my overview of the quarterback room. As of now, but yeah, that was perfect. Yeah, I think we can just move right on, right on to the running back scout. Why don't, why don't you lead us out the gate here? Uh, we got transferring Aiden Robbins. We got some. Uh, we also got um, Dion Smith out of Colorado, not to be confused with Dion Sanders out of Colorado. L.J. Martin, freshman, uh, incoming Inkley freshman. Riccati. Yeah, yeah, he's a guest of friend of B and T. Yeah. Um, and even guys returning, Hinkley Rapati, Miles uh, Davis. Miles Davis. Yeah. Wait, it's pretty stacked. Run. I think that's about it. Yeah. But that's pretty, a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of weapons. So, what are your thoughts um, as far as our running back room? Do you have high expectations for maybe Aiden Robbins, for example, or any other guys? Just, just walk, walk us through your thoughts. I'm I'm high on Aiden Robbins. I 
I was excited when he transferred from UNLV because UNLV obviously a school that does not get a lot of national attention. They kind of just get drubbed every game. Um, but he rushed for over a thousand yards there. Um, and I like the way he kind of describes himself as like super versatile, which I think will fit in really well. And I think that that's kind of something that Tyler Algier gave us that we took for granted. Um, and Miles Davis also last year kind of came out of the woodworks uh, and gave us some great games. And then at the end too, like Kinkley Ropati, I think showed some flashes of like great potential and super high upside uh, in the bowl game against SMU. Um, so I'm I'm high on those three, like Aiden Robbins, Kinkley Ropati, and Miles Davis, just because I, I know what they've done. Um, LJ Martin, obviously kind of more of a wild card, like uh, kind of big time recruit out of uh, Texas. This will be his freshman year. I, I hope that BYU finds kind of the dude at running back. I think that would be really beneficial for Keaton Slovis if we could just have like a really great one-two punch. But I also think that one of the upsides of having a, an experienced guy like Keaton Slovis, like you were saying, Tyler, is it kind of gives you the opportunity, it gives Aaron Roderick the opportunity to mix up the running backs and kind of do a little running back by committee uh, and get some of these guys like LJ Martin some touches. And hopefully, you know, Martin feels really confident uh in the offensive scheme, especially with a guy like Keaton Slovis as experienced as he is at quarterback. And I think that this year it's looking great. And I think in the future too, for some of these young guys, uh, it's going to be kind of a strong running back room to come. If Aaron Roderick can figure out a way to get a lot of these guys, some touches. Yeah, I think I, I certainly agree. Um, I guess a question for you guys is, uh, Scout mentioned like a one, two punch. Like I think most of these guys will see touches will have, like their opportunities this season. But if we're talking about a one-two punch, who do you guys think ends up being one and two? I think one's obvious, but I think two is really up in the air. So I'm curious what you guys think. Yeah, you're probably alluding to one being Aiden Robbins. Correct. Um, I think that goes without being said. Yeah, yeah. I think he's so really expected. two. I guess two. Who's the guy who steps up as two? I think that's yeah. the question. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's going to be the guy that holds onto the ball and not only like, I think you could have someone like Miles Davis or someone like Deion Smith, even, um, LJ Martin that are fast. It might have some explosive plays, but I kind of look, I'm looking at Ropati as my number two, um, his first touch. It's funny. I think his first touch last season was against Notre Dame and he fumbled it and we ended up recovering. Um, but after that, I, I'm pretty sure that he, that was it. And he ended up getting more touches near the end of the season as our running back room got injured or whatever. Right. And so that's kind of who I'm leaning towards because he has experience and you know what you're going to get out of him. Reliable is not going to um, – and when I mean hold on to the ball, it doesn't only mean fumbles and ball security. It means when you throw it to him, he's not going to drop it. Um, that's that's not, that's not only going to be big for the running backs, but for Keaton Slovis and the offense, just confidence. Like, man, I can't even throw a check down. So my it's going to be whoever holds on to the ball. And my guess is it's going to be Hinkley Rapati. What about you, Scout? My, I, I, I agree. I think it'll take a couple games for it to sort itself out. I think that especially against Sam Houston state and SUU, I think we'll see 
Aiden Robbins featured heavily to kind of get him integrated. But then I think we'll see a lot of number two will be decided kind of running back by committee. But I, I would honestly say Miles Davis, he took a lot more touches last year. And if he comes back healthy, I think, I think he's got a slight edge over Ropati, but he's got, he's got big would, 12 speed. He does. Yeah. I, he, he has a lot of the things he does lack some of the things that Ropati might have. Um, and I think part of the downside of Ropati is he just, we haven't seen him as much as maybe we would like to, but I would say either one of those guys, I wouldn't be surprised. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Roderick kind of used them interchangeably at two because he felt like he needed a skill set on, you know, certain downs that that one of them has and the other one doesn't. So I wouldn't be surprised if if number two is more of a rotation of two guys. Yeah, I agree. I think all these guys are going to get touches and get their opportunities. I'm going to go with a more wild card answer. I think not at the beginning, but I think the second half of the season – I think LJ Martin is going to clearly be our number two running back. Um, and that's just based off of a lot of what we've heard from Aaron Roderick. Uh, he had an interview a couple days ago after practice where he said that um, LJ Martin has been a standout in camp so far. And he said he's one of the best players on this team is what Aaron Roderick said about LJ Martin, which gets me really excited, um, especially because, look, if like Hinkley, Ropati, Deion Smith, Miles Davis, like especially Ropati and Miles Davis, like we haven't seen it maybe in like large sample sizes, but we know generally what they can do. And so if there are guys that are playing better than them, I think that just fares well for this BYU team. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go LJ Martin. Should, should we transition? Yeah, let's go. Do you want to add anything, Tyler? No, I, I mean, I like those takes. Um, I think it's a good problem to have. We have really good I, options. Yeah, I like two. that we all had different ones too. That's yeah, fun. we did. I I'm going more off of recency bias. Scouts more going off of what he's seen as far as talent and capability in Miles Davis, and you're going off of spring training, what coaches have been saying and stuff. So it's kind of fun. We kind of touched all aspects. So yeah, I think it's a good problem to have. Um. Let's go. This is probably the most concerning aspect of of BYU's offense um, in in the wide receivers because there's no more Puka Nakua. He was our one guy, very reliable. And then you had Epps at number two as a freshman, but there was a lot of uh, injuries. Um, Puka, we just never knew if he was going to play. Same with Gunnar Romney, who virtually was like, oh, yeah, no, they're good this week. And then they would never um, – and then Gunnar Romney wouldn't show up. And then Epps kind of emerged. You have Isaac Rex, who's a tight end, I know, but throwing him in the receiving core. Can we throw tight ends into this? Yeah, yeah, we'll throw no, tight two ends. Two birds and one stone. Yeah, Um but then you had like Chase Roberts, who had an awesome game, like awesome game against Baylor. Wasn't really all that. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't like great. Wasn't impactful. Same with Braden Cosper, uh, who's not who's not here anymore. But I just think, I think Epps is the clear one guy. But it's almost like, is he, you know, like or should he be as like kind of a slot receiver? Um, will someone like a Keanu Hill 
who also had a good year last year, decent year. But will he take that jump? Will Chase Roberts, will the guy from East Michigan, whatever his name is, Darius Lassiter? Lassiter. Well, he Keelan, he, Keelan Marion from UConn too. Yeah, That's UConn guy Marion, and then Isaac Rex. Will our tight ends get a lot of touches? So there's a lot of um, there's a lot to be asked, or there's a lot of questions to be answered here. So, Ben, why don't you go? Can I give your thoughts and scout? Just go right after him. I think uh, you were talking about the how the fact that you're sort of concerned. I'm actually very encouraged by specifically the depth. I think we have depth at receiver that we might. Last year, I think we thought we had it until everyone got hurt. And I think, but I think that everyone getting hurt last year with like Puka and Gunnar Romney sort of playing off and on throughout the year, I think that's going to see benefits this year because guys who wouldn't have gotten as many reps and as many touches are going to be this year. Like, you know, it was a high pressure primetime game, top 25 game against Baylor. And who were the top receivers in that game? Who were the starting receivers? It was Cody Epps, it was Keanu Hill, it was Chase Roberts. Those are almost certainly going to be our three wide receivers day one. And I think Cody Epps, despite being sort of a slot guy, can be that number one guy. And you know who he reminds me of? I think the Keaton Slovis, um, Cody Epps, like, connection, because they seem like they're best buds. They sort of remind me, Tyler, of Jared Goff and another guy. I bit my tongue because I wanted to mention it now. You said that Keaton Slovis played with Michael Pittman and Drake London. He also and played Amon Ross St. Brown. Brown. Yeah. And Amon Ross St. Brown. I knew, there was, I knew there was one I was forgetting. Yeah. I, I yeah. apologize to my fellow. No, you're good. You're good. Man. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. I just had to get him in there. Um, But uh, really the point that I bring up the Lions is just that their offense was like top five last year. And it was evidence that your number one receiver can be a slot guy. Um, As long as you have a variety of different options. I think Cody Epps is just a guy where, like, he's going to be a big, like, yak guy, big yards after catch. He's going to get a lot of touches. Like, if you were in the NFL, you would want him on your fantasy team, like, for PPR, because I think he's just going to he's just going to get the ball a lot. And we have a buddy who uh, was at practices. I won't say his name just in case, like, he wasn't supposed to say this. Uh, but we have a buddy who was there who said that every single play Keaton Slovis was dropping back and his first look was at Cody Epps every time. So I think he takes that next step. I think he's the guy. I think Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts are good. They're solid two, three guys. And I think Lassiter and Marion are sort of more depth guys, rotational guys, but that we see a decent amount from them as well. And the sixth guy that I think will round things up or round things out is a like a small uh, slot receiver. He's a sophomore or a redshirt freshman, uh, Parker Kingston. It's like a local, somewhat local guy, I believe, who was a big track star in high school. I think the coaches like what they see in him. So I expect he'll play a little bit too. But I think there's a lot of depth there. I like Isaac Rex. Um, The next guys are probably Ethan Erickson, who played a little bit when Dallin Holker was out last year and along with that i expect that at some point maybe later in the year we see some jackson bowers in there too the four-star tight end who had offers from washington alabama etc so i I like what we have because i I think i project um the concern is the top end 
And I, I think that'll be Cody Epps. And I think that the fact that it's a slot guy won't fully matter that much. That's just my take on it. I'm very enthusiastic about this group. Yeah, I, I'd agree kind of wholeheartedly with that take, actually. I'm very high on the depth at receiver right now. Um, Cody Epps, is, his size obviously does kind of put him more in the slot, but I think that that plays really well into kind of the scheme that Aaron Roderick likes to play. And Keanu Hill provides kind of the size on the outside that we need. And they both have, I think, plenty of experience given everything that they went through last year. I am really anxious to see uh, how Darius Lasher and Keelan Marion fit in. I'm actually pretty excited about that because uh, I think that they have, as you were saying earlier, Ben, I think that they have high ceilings, but I don't think the floor is is that low. I think last year I was very concerned when um, Gunnar Romney wasn't playing or Puka was out because it just kind of left us with a lot of question marks. I think this year at the very least, we've got guys who have seen the field before uh, who know what to expect. They've got a quarterback they can trust, somebody who's uh, played a long time, got great arm strength. So I think that if I were a receiver right now at BYU, I'd be feeling excited. I'd be feeling competitive because I think to even get on the field this year at BYU is going to be tough for some of these guys who transferred uh, and for anybody who is a freshman or a sophomore who wants to see some playing time, which I think kind of is a great thing. It, it breeds the this competitive nature of, of needing to get better uh, and putting in more work. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I think this is probably one of our stronger uh, position groups this year, uh, aside from running back, obviously, probably being the strongest. I'm, I'm excited. I think that especially with Keaton Slovis, a quarterback is going to help out some of these young guys a lot and give everybody a fantastic opportunity to have a thousand yard season or, you know, a a 10 touchdown plus season. My, my only concern, for example, with the guys like Lasser and Marion, I mean, these aren't guys transferring from obviously not expecting like Alabama, Georgia, Michigan type schools but i mean yukon as a football school has just been has never been relevant since i've been alive um eastern michigan too like those aren't just big powerhouse not even powerhouse schools they're just they're very bottom tiered group five um group five schools and so i question you know and not that they're taking on a huge responsibility, but I would I would be concerned if there were injuries and they came into the limelight. We're playing Texas October 28th. Someone gets injured, and now we're having to rely on this guy from Eastern Michigan who hasn't seen the field a ton, or UConn. Uh, so that, to me, gives me a little concern, but as far as depth goes – um or but like you guys have been saying it is better than a walk-on <laughs> a walk-on from south jordan utah or some random part of california that yeah i, I don't know just like what whatever it's it definitely helps to have some experience but I'm i'm trying not to bank it too much on on that because of where they're coming from again um, at least with Slovis, it's like, okay, USC and Pitt, um, that, that's a big deal. We have offensive line transfer, Caleb Etienne, Oklahoma State. 
uh, I take a lot of, uh, I, I, there's a lot of weight of where you come from in football. And so I feel like that's going to have a big impact. Um, but hopefully they get a year of development and get some experience sprinkled in there. So, and I'm um, sorry, can, can I quickly bring up a counter? No, you cannot. Okay. okay moving on. No, but, but I would say, I would say like, I think it's sort of unfair to base how good some of these guys are based off where they're coming from. Um, because usually the way that I look at it is less so where they're coming from and more the offers they're getting. Because if they're getting offers from other power five schools, that's very common to have some of these guys at like a G5 level jump up. Uh, like Darius Lasseter was also offered by Colorado, Colorado, Washington State, Pitt, Boston College, amongst like better G5 schools and BYU, of course. Like I'm not saying that he's going to be a star kind of receiver for us. But, like, that's good enough to make me feel okay if there's an injury and he's the third receiver. And same with Keelan Marion. Although he didn't have much production last year, um, I believe he might have been injured. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just didn't produce. But his true freshman year in 2021, he was the leading receiver for UConn. Um, so, like, not saying these guys are studs or anything, especially, like, right now. But I think that those are two guys that if they're four and five, I feel comfortable. If they were like coming in, if we lost our entire wide receiver room and those were one and two, I'm with you. I'd be concerned. But I think as depth pieces that come in, uh, if a guy like Keanu Hill or Cody Epps or Chase Roberts misses a game or two, I think that that's a sign of a power five program with some depth. That's just my two cents on it. Oh, but yeah, we, we can move on to the O line. Yeah, that's a fair counterpoint for sure. Um, I, I just kind of have that in the back of my mind. So, but yeah, speaking of offensive line, it seems more like a – I think this is supposed to be the best year BYU's ever had as far as offensive line, whether it comes to talents, capability, stats, depth. Uh, we picked up – uh, like I was saying before, Etienne from Oklahoma State, 6'8", 330 pounds, I believe. So maybe big maybe, dude. Maybe more. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. It, it seems like – and we still have Kingsley um, coming back, um, who's preseason Big 12 first team. Preseason first, like, first round draft pick in these early mock drafts for next year, too. Yeah. So – and that's – I believe he's left tackle, so that's definitely the most important position for a right-handed quarterback in Slovis. Correct. So, and I I feel very confident as far as pass protection, which BYU um, always ranks very high, at least these past few years, as pass protection. I'm curious what you guys are thinking as far as the run game, how that's going to have an effect. Obviously positive, but is there something I'm missing? So the biggest thing about the offensive line for me is that we're, we bring back two starters. So 40% of our line in, in Connor Pay and Kingsley Sumataia. And then we added a, a whole lot of good talent. And and these are these are kind of big time schools. You know, like when you get Caleb Etienne from Oklahoma State, you get uh, Simi Moala from Utah. And then uh, also um, Paul Miley, I think is how you say it. Yeah. Um, 
from University of Utah as well. I, I just think that a lot of and you've got everybody from last year who saw the field at some point and so they're not novices um so i think that even only returning two starters everybody else that can plug in has already some playing time if not extensive playing time which i think is going to benefit our pass game real well i don't know i can't speak to the run game though i have no idea i'm actually really curious to hear what ben has to say because i think he'll be able to speak more to the run game than i can I definitely agree with Scout that I think they did a great job of rebuilding this offensive line. I think the offensive line last year, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was at the time, but it was certainly disappointing, I think. Um, because I had huge expectations for the offensive line last year, and I felt like it kind of, I was kind of, it was kind of a letdown. You lose both Barringtons, which seemed like a loss, but it sort of felt like maybe better for both sides to move on at this point. Um, but the one I, I like that you have a starting O-line. Yeah. With Kingsley, with ETN as your bookend tackles. Um, you've got Paul Mele and Connor Pay, both who have center experience and both can play the guard position as well. So they've sort of been working in repping interchangeably. And then the other guard is like the fifth starter is uh, Waylon Lapahu, which I think is a, he's a sophomore. He was a starter as a freshman at Utah State. And I think that's saying that's valuable if your fifth starter um, is somebody who, like, was playing a lot, no matter even if it's at a G5 level. That gives me a lot of confidence. And you also have guys like Braden Keen, um, who's just a big dude. You got a couple other guys like a Missouri State transfer, Weber State transfer, uh, along with other guys. Like, BYU just develops O-line. Like, and so, like, I'm not too worried. I do think I am more confident in the pass protection than I am the running game, just because the running game, like, weirdly struggled last year, and I'm not really sure why it struggled. Like, I, I can't give you a good reason. So I sort of think Aiden Robbins is going to be a step up from Chris Brooks. Like, Chris Brooks was fine. He was solid, but I think Aiden Robbins is better. Um. So we'll see. But I think that's going to be a big factor in how well they do offensively is how they can move the ball on the ground. And I anticipate, I think it will be better this year just because I think you've got some more depth there. But we'll see because I think that's one of the bigger questions. So I think, you know, that was a good question that Scout brought up. But. I, I think our running game struggled last year because – I think the main reason is that we don't have we didn't have Tyler Algier, which I think put a band-aid over a lot of issues, whether it was getting a good push off the front, whether it was um missing assignments, or whether it was maybe a penalty, a holding call, or um, but because we had Algier, he couldn't avoid tackles and he had speed like he was such a great running back probably a top you could argue that he's the best running back BYU's had ever um top three definitely top five right Luke Staley Jamal Williams Williams baby yeah I think Algiers top two like yeah you definitely like I think I think he ranks higher than Jamal Williams I think it's probably Algier and Staley and then probably Jamal after that but yeah Right, exactly. And so yeah. when you have a top guy ever, and then that's just big. 
I think we were all so high on Chris Brooks that it was almost unfair to him. Like he was good for what he was. And he had a great game against a good Notre Dame team. And um, for questions unknown, like why did we not hand the ball off to him on fourth and one instead of Katoa in that Notre Dame game that ended up virtually losing us the game amongst other things that we will get to once we talk about the defense. But uh, I think that was the biggest issue uh, because people talk um, and even from what I could see, I mean, there seemed to be like holes. There seemed to be running lanes. There seemed to be opportunity that just we our guys, our running backs just couldn't quite get until we finally had like a Miles Davis uh, emerge uh, with his speed. And then Rupati last few games of the season, he's able to have better vision and whatnot. And so I think having Aiden Robbins with experience, yeah, how much are we going to put weight? How much are we going to value the UNLV experience? But it's hard to look past a thousand plus yards against teams like Boise State, Hawaii, Utah State. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said Hawaii as if they were worth mentioning, like a good team. Fresno State, San Jose State, San Diego State. These are pretty decent teams. So, um, I, I but. We're definitely stacked on the offensive line. That's probably the position I'm most confident in um, as far as as far as the offense. So let's move to the defense. Uh, ben, let's I want to ask you what position group are you most excited for? I think I'm most excited for I'm gonna say the linebackers. Mm. Oh yeah. I think I think you've got like three to four guys that you can very much rely on, like Max Tooley, Ben Bywater, AJ uh, Vampachaw, something like that. I can't get the name right. We have a, and we're just insistent on getting guys that are hard to pronounce their names. <laughs> um, and then even like Harrison Taggart, who's not like a former four star transfer from Oregon, who I don't anticipate we'll see a ton of. I bet it's going to be the first three I mentioned, but that's like a veteran linebacker room. And I think one, cause like I was very confident in the linebackers last year and they were off. So like, I think I just feel better about this group. Justin Enna, um, I think is an upgrade at linebacker coach. And yeah, I think they're, they're the, what I'm most excited about. And I'm going to say corners second. And then it's a drop off, and then safety and D line for me. But all right, Scout, what about you? Um, position group you're most excited for is it also linebackers? It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, there... sorry, I, I I love our linebackers. Um, I think we've always, I think in in recent years we've done a great job recruiting linebackers. And Ben just said it. Um, our guy. Bompachon, I, I like again, no idea. We'll just call him Mr. AJ. Mr. AJ from Utah State, I think huge upside. Really excited to see him play. Obviously, Ben Bywater, I've always been a huge fan of him and Max Tooley, kind of proven guys. 
I'm anxious to see how Ammon Hanneman does. I know that they've moved him down to more of like, a, I guess, maybe strong safety linebacker type position. And he did see the field a lot last year. Not sure if he has the size necessary to make that work. Uh, and then a couple of Kafusi um, family members, cousins, brothers, whatever. There, there's, all, there's always got to be a few on, on the BYU. I, I can't keep track of who they even – which one's which at this point. That's why I asked. Because they, they're not super noteworthy at this point either, yeah. which just adds to the confusion. Yeah. Um, but, again, uh, deep uh, – I, I think also – here's what I'm most excited about for the linebackers. Ben touched on this. They were bad last year, even though we have talented backers. I think Jay Hill will know how to use them effectively. I think Elisa Tuiaki wasted our linebacker talent by rushing three and dropping eight when – they just weren't cover linebackers. Um, so I think that we just saw a ton of wasted talent from Thule and Bywater and injuries kind of decimated our defense also, which again, durability was a huge problem under Tuiaki. I think that if Jay Hill comes in and runs his four, three scheme and is as aggressive as everybody is saying he's going to be, I think our linebackers will feature prominently. And I think that they'll be back to the the type of levels that we were seeing um, a couple years ago. When we had uh, his name escapes me right now, but he tore his ACL. Uh, we had Peyton Wilgar and then the other one he tore his ACL. That was just Keenan a Peely. phenomenal backer. So, Keenan Peely. Yeah, Peely. So, I, I mean, I think it really comes down to how well Jay Hill can use that position group. And I think that that's what I'm most excited to see from, from Hill. I, I know Ben agrees with this too, but that's obviously the biggest excitement is it's not any of the position groups it's the coach it's jay hill it's the scheme um obviously our linebackers are experienced and are very good this is where i do have some this is my concern i don't necessarily believe this but it's a thought where this scheme that tuiaki ran again mainly rushing three and having our linebackers who sometimes couldn't even tackle, it seems like, but they loaded up on those stats of tackling um, because that was the design. It was our first level guys, our D line will soak up or will absorb the the main blocks and our linebackers will come in and sweep up the mess which I hate that model. Like, it's okay to do that, right? It's But every time, it's it's just terrible. So I am very excited for something new as far as scheming. And I think, like you said, Scout, and Ben said it perfectly, where Jay Hill will be able to use our linebackers effectively. And they are good linebackers. Like, let's – uh, let's try to use them properly. I'm going to say, though, it's really sad because as of recently, as of yesterday or a couple of days ago, where Micah Harper is out for the season. Yeah. That is a huge bummer because uh, our corners and safeties were maybe not so much our safeties, but our our defensive backs were solid. Um, and that's a big piece gone. But I'm very excited for the defensive line which is weird, I know. But this is my reasoning, because it can only go up. It can literally only go up. 
Um, I think John Nelson will very much emerge as a key player to our defense. Tyler Batty will do his thing. But I think just imagine being a defensive line uh, lineman at BYU. I got to talk to one, and we've talked about this before. Um, his name is also super hard to pronounce, but everyone calls him Lopa. And he hate, he did not like being a defensive lineman because you get double teamed when you rush three every time. Now we're mixing in blitzes. Now we're going to be more aggressive. And now we'll, pro- we'll be smart. As in, it's third and one, and we're not going to drop eight on third and one. Um, so I think the scheme will very much help fill in the talent gap that our defensive linemen do have. But I think with time, that gap uh, will become smaller and smaller. And I think our talent and our ability to recruit will improve at the at the defensive line, but it can only go up. <laughs> it, it can truly only go up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm exci- yeah. I'm excited for that. I think I don't think I don't think there's a ton of stars on the defensive line. I mean, Tyler Batty certainly has that potential. And you mentioned Nelson as well. He's someone who's stuck out, been one of the like few guys who show something. Um, but they just got a lot of depth pieces. They just have a lot of guys who I feel like they're gonna have they're gonna feel comfortable just mixing in. There's a guy from Weber State they got. They got, if you remember Daw. Wyatt Dahl, I think it's his younger brother from SUU, uh, transferred in as a preferred walk-on. And there's multiple guys from Snow College who came in. So, like, although I think it's not going to be, like, a strong point, there's also been reports that, like, they've been, like, not necessarily, like, they're not winning against the offensive line, but they're making the offensive line, like, work in, like, winning some reps against them, um, which is a good sign uh, that, you know, there's something there. And I think they're also going to benefit from – the linebackers being used in the scheme more aggressively as well. So, yeah, I think the defensive line will certainly improve. How much, we'll see, but I, I think it, it'll certainly improve. But, yeah, it's not a matter of how much at this point. If it drastically improves, awesome. But it just will improve naturally. It cannot be worse than it was last year. So that's kind of my take on that. Um, before we get to the schedule – what do you guys think? Who do you guys think will be MVP on the defensive side? If you had to pick one guy who's going to be our key player, or maybe maybe a guy like a dark horse MVP candidate for the defense, who who comes to your mind? We'll go Ben, Scout, and I'll finish us off. I'll go with Eddie Heckard, um, defensive back from Weber State. He's He, I think – I think he's going to be the best corner that we've maybe had. We've had some decent corners, but I think he might be a step up from even guys like Caleb Hayes. Um, but yeah, I think there's some depth. I think we've got a clear number one at DB or at corner. Um, I think we've got a variety of different, like decent guys who can mix in at two, three, four, and beyond that, like Maury Bamba, Camden Garrett, who got all big sky honors and like Jaden Dunlap, who was a transfer from a Juco. Um, Micah Harper would have been up there for me. Um, I think Malik more solid, but I don't think he's a star. And I think the other, you know, safety position, just cause we hadn't mentioned it. So I'm just throwing it out there. I think it's going to be Talon Alfrey, but we'll see some Ethan Slade, maybe even Raider DeMooney, the son of Jack DeMooney, who just got back from his mission somewhat recently. But yeah, I think 
I think safety might be a concern, but I, I feel really good about cornerback one. I think Eddie Heckard um, is that. And a runner-up is uh, AJ, linebacker. That's that's my runner-up, but I'm going to go with those two. But mainly Eddie Heckard. I'm going to say mine's, mine's Max Tooley. I, I think Mad Max finds his place in this defense, and I think one of the reasons why is I think Jay Hill recognizes – just how talented Max Tooley is and designed some schemes specifically for, for Max Tooley to be able to make some plays. And I think that just even before the scheme, if you put the scheme aside, he's a versatile linebacker uh, that I think is going to do really well in open space in these kind of big 12 offensive matchups. Um, my dark horse would be Malik Moore. I think that uh, if, if, I mean, I'm hopeful about this, but I think that Jay Hill's defense should, and especially against pass happy Big 12 offenses, force more turnovers, put more pressure on quarterbacks, and allow the safeties like Malik Moore, maybe Talon Offrey, who I don't think is super talented, but hopefully he's gotten a little bit better. I think Malik Moore can make some great plays if he stays healthy. I mean, he broke his hand last year, I think, against Utah State and ended up missing most of the year. But I think he would be my dark horse as, as somebody on the defense who steps up and forces a lot of turnovers or makes a lot of big plays on the back end. Man, you guys stole my one and two, so I'll go my three. Um, I've already hyped him up. It's got to be John Nelson. Um, and I say that because I think Tyler Batty is a better defensive lineman, but I'm looking at – his stats from last year, John Nelson, who should have played more than what he did. He had 28 tackles and 21 of them were solo tackles, which is insane thinking about that as far as a rush three drop eight scheme. Uh, and he had a very good game. Baylor, Oregon, Utah State, Arkansas. SMU, he had four or five tackles in those games. Um, I just kidding, not Oregon, but uh, still had a decent game. Anyway, the point being, point being, I think it, he was a walk on last year. Let's not forget he was not on scholarship. He was on the Built Bar scholarship, but uh, I think that just goes to show. Um, how good he can be. And I think defenses are going to overlook him. Excuse me, offenses are going to overlook him. And with the our talent at linebackers, Tyler Batty's talent, he's he's going to step up and play a really big, crucial role in, in this defense. So uh, but I love that Eddie Heckard pick, Ben. I should have let you go first. I think he's going to be great uh, for BYU. Max Tooley, how many pick sixes did he have last year? Two, three? I think he had, yeah, he had at least two. Yeah, uh, two. I think USF and uh, Utah State. He won against uh, SMU too. I and thought. also won against SMU, yeah. So Yeah, that was from a few years ago, but yeah. Oh, well. he right, def- well, Oh, no, just kidding. Sorry, that was the bowl game. I'm bowl sorry. game, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. SMU in the bowl game, that is. So, yeah, so or was that Bywater? I think it was Bywater. Oh, it was Bywater. It was right. Bywater. Yeah, yeah. truly the Utah State one. No, uh, sometimes, State. not going to lie, I definitely get those two confused sometimes, but but yeah. good reason, like for good things, for sure. So, 
All right, let's let's uh we'll finish off by going through the schedule. Um I think it's fair to say that we think BYU's first two games that are home against Sam Houston State and Southern Utah will both be wins. I'm not expecting much. Scout kind of already was talking about how, at least with the running backs, uh that'll kind of be uh where who's our number two guy those games. But other than that, I don't expect anything crazy. I expect BYU to comfortably win against him, Houston State, and crush Southern Utah. So unless you guys disagree with that, we're going to move on to Arkansas in Fayetteville. So, Scout, what are your thoughts on that game? Because that game is – I I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know if I should be scared – I'm honestly scared or like if I should have hope because I do, but it's, it's in faith. They'll KJ Jefferson's back. You think we're walking out of there with a win or loss? I think we lose that game, but I think we lose it by 10 points or fewer. I I think that the Arkansas game, and this is the only thing I'll say about, it, I think the Arkansas game is the perfect proof of concept for Jay Hill's new defense. And I think it will be just enough to show that Kalani Sataki made at least a decent hire in him. I don't think it'll be the most fantastic showing, but I think it will be the necessary proof of concept that this year will not be a disaster. I agree because like Jay Hill hasn't had enough time. Like just the talent on this defense is still just not very, if we're being honest, like, so that'll take time. But like, I think it'll go from just not being a disaster to being mediocre. I think, and I think that's that's a fair expectation to be happy about. But I also agree, I think it'll be more competitive and less annoying than the last year's Arkansas game. But I think being at Fayetteville, um, I think I think it's close, but we lose. BYU against KJ Jefferson made him look like Joe Burrow or Cam Newton, you know, just like think of any of those great big SEC quarterbacks. I mean, good golly. I, I guess because I do want to say KJ Jefferson is a good quarterback, but I don't think he's he threw for 450 yeah. yards. He's he's not he's not going to sling the ball on you. That's not no. KJ Jefferson's game. And we made him look invincible. Uh my my Hope too. Off Arkansas's defense last year was horrible. I think they make improvements, but that's what kept BYU in the game. I I'm with you here, Scout. I think it's close, but I, and I think it's respectable. I think that's key. It's respectable going into the Kansas game that next week, but I, I don't think we leave SEC country with a with a W there. So all right, Ben, let's talk Kansas. I think they're going to kill us. I think, like, I just think, like, like I, I think that we'll feel good in a close loss to Arkansas, and I think Kansas is going to kill us, and everyone, every casual BYU fan is going to lose their minds about us getting crushed by Kansas, but I don't think getting crushed by Kansas will actually be as bad as people make it out to be. I just think they're really good. And so, you'll get a punch in the mouth, um, and we get things rolling later. So do you think the 6-6 six and six Kansas team of last year, do you think that was 
more of a fluke or do you think that was more of like a stepping stone to the to the Kansas that we might see as a kind of maybe a Big 12 challenger in coming years? I think I think it's a stepping stone. I really like Lance Leipold. He has improved that team, you know, each year he's been there. Because uh, even the year before last, he, they were challenging against a team like, you know, Oklahoma. And I believe they beat Texas. They did. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're moving in the right direction. They brought back a productive running back. And they'll have Daniels as their quarterback who will be presumably healthy, who missed like about half the season last year. And even their backup was pretty good, who's also still there. So this is more of a me really thinking Kansas is good and less like we suck type thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm going Kansas big. I, I, I lean towards recency bias, even though Daniels was injured. Kansas was 5-0 and and they finished 6-6. Six and six. Uh, I think I I don't think this would this is definitely not a gimme. It's definitely not a win, but I do I do think BYU can win and will win, but it's gonna be very, very close. And I think it's gonna be a very big wake up call. Um, just because I, I'm just not as high on Kansas right now. And that could change, obviously. Um, I would. I'm looking forward to that Kansas Illinois game. Uh, I I think that's week two, because I think that'll be a true test of what to expect. Um, but I, I I'm not sure what to think, so I'm going to lean on the delusional side, <laughs> um, rather than accept that BYU could ever lose to anyone. So. But I'm going off recency bias. We'll see. Um, and I know that's skewed. I know that's not totally accurate of Kansas. But um, I think people might be overhyping them for this season, it's especially someone that we know, Ben, uh, who who really wants to bet the Kansas over. So I, I think I'm, I'm with them a thousand percent. I think they're going to be really good. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So that's what that's what uh that's what delusion will get you is where I'm at. So all right, that next week is the first Big Twelve home game against Cincinnati, night game, Friday night. I think this is actually a lot closer game than people think. I think BYU wins by six. I think yeah. Cincinnati's good, but I think this is one gonna be one of those games where BYU is clearly more talented, but we just can't pull it together almost, but for the majority of the game and Cincinnati stays in it, but BYU wins. Yeah. Did you say Cincinnati, that? I, I think we'll start the year reeling a little bit from the loss of Luke Fickle. Uh, and I think by the time they play BYU, we'll still be seeing some of those effects. Uh, and I think given that it's, it's our first big 12 home game, be a night game. Uh, I don't think that those factors play into it as much as, maybe we think they do i think a good team should be able to win whenever but i think that the fact that cincinnati lost their head coach last year that took them to the playoff and they lost a whole bunch of talent because of that i think i think we'll beat cincinnati but again i don't think it'll be by more than 10 points it'll be probably within a touchdown i am going to be countering this as well i think we win by like a million because i think cincinnati is awful 
And it's no, and I will say the home Big 12, first home Big 12 game Friday night, I think the place is going to be going wild. And not only is it that I don't like Cincinnati because they lost Luke Fickle, I also don't like Cincinnati because they hired Scott Satterfield, who like Louisville was like, oh, you're taking Scott Satterfield? Awesome. We don't have to pay his buyout when we fire him in one year. So I don't see why I just uh, yeah I don't see any optimism with Cincinnati I think Emory Jones I think is their quarterback he's not any good so the I, trans- I oh, the transfer from uh Florida then Arizona State yes yeah I don't think he's very good I don't think they have a very good coach I think it'll be hyped up maybe it's not like a blowout but I think it's like a double digit win you you said a million. If not, I think that's a major issue. If we don't beat them by a lot, that's concerning because it I doesn't get much easier. Ben, you said a million points, so I'm holding you to that, which would be incredible. I'll, I'll stick with a million points. If if BYU won versus any team by a million points, we are not playing football then. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you that I think the talent gap is – going to be so much bigger and it's going to frustrate a lot of people that we don't beat them as much as we do but luckily we have that bye week that next week to go right into fort worth uh second week of october against tcu um tcu is obviously not the team that they're not going to be the team i don't think that they were last year that made it to the national championship but they're a dang good team uh, i love the revival of this rivalry but TCU is 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 good, and that's going to be a tough game. I think BYU will be somewhat respectable. I, I find this game – I think this game is going to be more similar to BYU when they played Oregon last year. Like, not necessarily a blowout, but you just kind of know the whole time that BYU doesn't really have a chance. That's my guess. Um, feel free to chime in. You got I just need to add. I agree. Yep. I, I am, though. So I 100% – we will never be in that game. Um, I am really excited, though, to start playing TCU again because I think people forget that that was a great Mountain West rivalry. Um, So I, I hope that in future years it will be competitive again. But uh, I'm excited to be playing the Horned Frogs. But this year, I don't think there's a chance. It, it definitely will be competitive um, in the future. This year, I still think – I think it's going to be one of those things where BYU hangs in there in the first half, and then they just get blown out the second half. They run out of gas. But this game, BYU hosts Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech is the much better team. They have a lot of hype around them, but with reason. But I think BYU in Provo, I think is one of those times where – home field advantage really pays off and I think BYU very much takes it down to the wire again I'm leaning delusional I'm going to go BYU wins this uh last minute field goal or field goal miss by Texas Tech I think it's one of those uh, kind of the opposite of Cincinnati where BYU is not the better team but they make the big plays and they win at home down the stretch in a crucial game midseason that could very much determine whether or not they're bowl eligible or even 
could take that win total to eight if possible. Not saying it's going to happen. Not saying that's going to happen. But that could be the pivotal point in the season. Uh, I think Texas Tech is better. BYU wins. I think Texas Tech is better, not dramatically, but, like, I think they're a step above us, like a tier above us in the Big 12. I think they come in, and I think they win a close game. I think we keep it close, but I think they're a good team. Um, I'm high on Texas Tech. I really like Joey McGuire, um, and I think they're going to have a year two leap. So um, I'm going with Texas Tech and by maybe a field goal. I'm going to take BYU in this one. I think Texas Tech's one of those teams that is good, has the potential to be good, but is one of those teams that just like when it counts, they really they they kind of flounder. Um anxious to see kind of how the beginning of their season goes. Cause I, I mean I, I could change my mind based on how they start playing, but I just don't see Texas Tech being a consistent enough team to come in and, and play a a game where they end up winning winning. Uh, a close game because I do think it'll be close, but I don't think Texas Tech has it in him to win a close game. I think that we'll we'll squeak it out. Speaking of hoping, BYU will go to Austin, Texas. So this will be our third Texas team in a row: TCU, Texas Tech, and now University of Texas, the Longhorns. Which your boys, BNT and S, will be attending. Um. I think BYU loses by 10 to 14 points. They, I think they lose like 34 to 21, where Texas is just based on pure talent. They're just better. Uh, Quinn Ears is good. I'm, I'm kind of on the – I don't think Texas is as good as people think they're going to be, um, but they're a dang good team. That's going to be a fun environment. That's a fun environment, definitely if you're a Texas fan. It's going to be scary if you're a BYU fan or a player. I don't see it. I don't really see a situation where BYU can win, even as a delusional fan like me. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think for some weird reason, I think it's more likely that we get popped in the mouth against TCU. Like I think we I think we're gonna look at this game as progress in comparison to the TCU game and say that we're fighting a little bit more and that we are able to keep it closer against frankly what will almost certainly be a better team than TCU. So I think Texas is better than TCU, but we keep it closer than we did against TCU. I one hundred percent agree with that point. I definitely think that it will be somewhat close. Maybe not the score, but I think that if you watch the game, you'll feel like BYU has taken leaps and bounds from where we will be at the beginning of the season and especially from where we were last season. I think it'll be a good measuring stick game for us because this is Texas. That's the type of teams you want to be competing with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm putting all my chips onto, onto Ben's prediction. I, I agree with that 100%. All right, Scout, why don't you lead us in? BYU plays West Virginia that next week in Morgantown. Yeah. Um, I think we win this game. I think there is maybe some thought or some talk that this is a one of those trap games where we think West Virginia is one of the easier teams in the Big 12. Uh, I just think they've had so many problems uh, in recent years just trying to get together a competitive team, and they they might squeak out a win against a good team here and there. But I think that this is the perfect opportunity for Kalani Sataki to kind of 
make a have a statement game in the Big 12 and say, yeah, like we belong here. Like we're not a bottom tier Big 12 team. We can at least fit into the middle tier. Um, so I'd say that like best case scenario, we win this game by three touchdowns. More likely we probably win it by by two touchdowns, hopefully. Yeah, I think this is a game that we win pretty solidly because I think there's a good shot that West Virginia's coach isn't even there by then. I think they'll just sort of be like a, a dead man walking. Like, I think they're just sort of done by this point. Checked out, already thinking about who their next coach is going to be. All the players are thinking about where they're going to transfer to. I Yeah, I, I think they're going to be a mess, a bottom feeder in the Big 12 this year. And although it's at Morgantown, like, I think the fans will be pretty checked out as well. And that'll be less of a factor and we win pretty easily. So, boys, we headed to Morgantown or what? You, you know, would have to pay me to go to West Virginia. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, that was my plan initially was to go straight from Austin, Texas to Virginia because my family's going up to that game. Uh, you know, I, I'm a graduated young man with a, a good job. I've been blessed, but it's still expensive, man. It's, oh, it's, it's tough, but hey, look, I'm not. I'm not going to close the door on that, but it's definitely closing. Um, <laughs> definitely closing for sure. Um, it's not shut, but it's closing. Yes, it's on its way to being shut, but it's not yet. So, so, so I know we have to. We will we'll finish up the schedule. So maybe I'll make this question quick. If there was another road game on BYU schedule which you could go to, which one would it be? Since we're already going to be in Austin, is there another one which excites you enough to go to? Definitely Arkansas. For me, um, SEC country, revenge game potential. They're not an impossible SEC team to beat. We're not playing Alabama, LSU, Georgia. It's more along the lines of an Ole Miss, Mississippi State, even A&M, I think, could, is in that category of BYU could win. It's not hopeless. Not expected, but you could still go and have a good time. It's mid-September. It's good weather still. What about you, Ben? I'm I'm in the same boat. Scout? Probably Oklahoma State. I think it'd be kind of fun to uh, go down to Stillwater and uh, experience kind of like, you know, middle of middle of Big Ten, Big 12 country, you know, kind of like kind of like Austin, but just have that big 12 football experience late in November uh, last week of the season. But I mean, I agree with Arkansas. I think that, that would be a fantastic game too, but just to kind of mix, mix it up a little bit. Yeah. My issue with Oklahoma state is it'd be cold. It's going to be cold there. So, true. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, well, maybe one of these days we'll find ourselves in still water, but I don't know if it'll be this year. Um, I agree with y'all's points about West Virginia um, plus, that's very likely that we have three losses in a row, Texas to Texas teams and TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas. And so I think BYU's going to be hungry for a win if that's the case. Uh, BYU plays at home against Iowa State. Um, similarly to West Virginia, Iowa State's going to be bottom tier. Their players are probably going to be betting on it, so they're not focused on – 
<laughs> whether they win or lose, they're going to want their money. Um, I think BYU at this point is either going to have found their stride or really be broken <laughs> and crumbled and decimated as a team. I don't think it's going to be that point. I think there might be some key players gone do the injury or whatever, but I think BYU wins this game versus a team that they're much better than in my eyes. Yeah, I've got BYU winning this game. I think this is honestly going to be maybe the easiest Big 12 game because this is a team that was already not very good and they're not going to have multiple players, including their quarterback. So, yeah, this is a this is an easy win in my eyes. I concur. Yep. This is a win for us. Sweet. And then final home game is against Oklahoma. Um, I, even though I have Oklahoma winning the big 12 uh, in my, in my prediction, I know I'm seeing scouts reaction right now and it is not favorable. Let's put it that way, Um, which is understandable. I, you know, it was in the moment. I didn't know what was happening, Um, but you know, we're here now. I think BYU I think BYU wins this game not because I think they're better. Uh I think the timing of the game uh again mid-November in Provo I feel like scheduling this game to Oklahoma is kind of a slap in the face to them of you're leaving the SEC, we're going to give you the biggest stadium there is in the Big 12. We're going to give you a team that even if they're 0 and 10 at that point the fans are still going to show up. It's going to uh, be cold as balls. I think that's be, also part of the punishment. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I I really like, as Ben very well know, very much knows, I'm very high on Dylan Gabriel. Um, but I don't think this is going to be a shootout kind of game. I think it's going to be more ground and pound. I think BYU wins a close one. Very close one, similarly to Texas Tech. So I I I had that interesting reaction, kind of rolled my eyes to the to the Oklahoma winning the Big 12. However, I think it's very possible. I would not count out Brent Venables. Um, I think he's a great coach. Still interested to see how he works out as a head coach at Oklahoma. But I think that at this point in the season, you know, you're two games away from uh, talking about playing a Big 12 title game, spotting the playoff on the line. I think if Oklahoma comes in here with any shot at playing in the playoff or they're headed to the Big 12 title, I think that they just trounce us. I think they'll come in here, and I think that we'll score no more than 14 or 21 points against the Brent Venables defense, and I think that Dylan Gabriel will kind of show us where all the weak spots are left in our defense. Um and I, I fully expect Oklahoma to be in that position. I don't think that they're going to have another down year like they had last year where they were six and six. I think they very much make a comeback. And I don't know if they'll win the Big 12, but I agree that they could be in a spot where they could win it. And I think that two weeks away from all of their hopes kind of being realized, I think they come into BYU and they realize they need a statement win and that's their chance to do it. And I think they do it. I, where Tyler is very high on Oklahoma, I am very low on them. Like, I think, you know, there's the term, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. I think Oklahoma showed us who they were last year, and I'm going to believe them, which is, um, I just think, I know Brett Venables is, it was has always been a great defensive coordinator, 
but I just I'm gonna believe a good Oklahoma defense when I see it. Um, and also just the track record right now on Clemson or Dabo assistants being head coaches is not looking great right now. If anyone can turn that around, it's Brett Venables. They've got plenty of talent. I'm not super, I'm not like down on Dylan Gabriel, but I don't think he's a star by any means, unlike Tyler. With that being said, I think even if Oklahoma is great or if they stink, like I sort of think they will, I think it's not an easy game, but it's one that BYU wins. Um, and even look, if even if they're not that good, being Oklahoma would be fun. It's going to be a big win. I say BYU wins a close game. I think home field advantage, altitude, weather, all of it is going to play a big factor into it. And I think BYU wins. And that for me makes them go from three and five, I believe, to six and five. So securing a bowl in their first year of the Big 12. I think you meant from five and five, five and five to six and five. No, uh, I meant like, I meant that I have them like at three and five at one point looking dicey and then they rattle off three wins in a row at I West Virginia you. home against Iowa State home against Oklahoma okay. to to get bowls. I, I I see where you're going I was like a three win game that's that's incredible so um BYU at Oklahoma State the final game of the season um honestly I kind of think Oklahoma beats BYU pretty good. Oklahoma State beats BYU pretty good. And I think it's just more – I just think Oklahoma State's better. They're at home. BYU comes off a super amazing win over Oklahoma, and they kind of used all their gas in that game. So Oklahoma State wins 45-21. to 21. It's – I think it's a I think it's a pretty bad loss, but I think at that point expectations for BYU have been surpassed. And we're just looking forward to a really good bowl game. Yeah. A real bowl game. Uh, honestly, any bowl game that's not independence era. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't think this is a great Oklahoma State team. But, like, also, I think Oklahoma State is just a program that has a very high floor. Um, they're never going to be bad under Mike Gundy, I really believe. And I think we might be, like, equivalents, if not better, at this point. But I still don't see us winning, especially at Stillwater. Um, I don't really know who their quarterback's going to be or how good that guy actually is. But they just have a good scheme in Stillwater. And... Stillwater's not an easy place to play. And yeah, I think we lose by maybe a couple touchdowns going into bowl season six and six. I, I would say if Spencer Sanders was still at Oklahoma State, this is a guaranteed loss for us. Not knowing who their quarterback will be does affect my answer a little bit. I think that this is definitely one of the more toss-up type games in my mind. Um, especially at the end of the season, you're never quite sure how teams are going to finish. I think it's very possible BYU could win this game, but I agree with Ben. I, I think Oklahoma State is just a better program. And I mean, you mentioned Mike Gundy. The dude's been coaching there since I think the school was founded in 1901. Um, he's just rocked the mullet ever since. Um, so I think they win. I don't think it's a beatdown. I think BYU hangs with them and and shows, you know, like we've got 
at least the talent and the coaching to maybe stick with the Oklahoma State team that might be down on talent this year. Um, but I still think that the Cowboys win that game in Stillwater. All right. Final predictions, boys, because I'm on the side of delusion. BYU goes seven and five. Seven, um, five. seven five. But I'm really being delusional. They win the bowl game and go eight and five. But I think if they went seven and six, whether that was six and six, bowl game win, seven and five, bowl game loss. I think that's a very good season. So, but I'm going seven five regular season. Same. I'm going six and six regular season. I'll just say they win the bowl, just to say that they have a winning season. And I think in the Big Twelve, based off what I have them doing, I've got them winning, going four and five in the Big Twelve. So if they go seven and six, four and five in the Big Twelve, I think that's a very attainable but very successful first season, inaugural season. Yeah, to me, the losses are going to be expected, likely Arkansas, TCU, Texas, and probably one more. But I and really don't see best BYU. Best team in the country. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I I just don't see them lo- losing – a ton of games. They're going to win between five and seven games. I don't see them winning four games. I don't see them winning eight games, truthfully. They're going to win five, six, or seven games. Maybe eight with a bowl game win. But, um, yeah, I agree. So, anyways, great episode. Thanks, Scout, uh, for coming on. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Great insight. Great stuff. And, uh We'll uh, see you guys as I find the stop button. (laughs) See you guys next time. This has been BAT Talk College Sports. If you haven't already, please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening. Thanks again, and until next time.